Father, we praise you that you are the sovereign Lord who rules this world. We know that your word is living and active and nothing is hidden from your sight. And so now help me to preach your word faithfully and enable us all to respond rightly to you in repentance and faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look back on our lives, I'm sure we can all think of times when we have uh, messed up, when we've resisted God's will and gone our own way. With great remorse, I remember one time back in high school, I had a part-time job at McDonald's, and one day I thought I could just make a little bit of extra money uh, by not clocking off during my break. I thought that no one would notice, but I was terribly mistaken. I was caught by my manager, and lucky to not be fired on the spot, I was immediately suspended for two weeks. It was a stupid thing that I did, which God used to teach me a very important lesson early in life. The importance of honesty and integrity. The importance of remembering that, that God sees all that we do, and the truth will inevitably come out. Well, over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Jonah. It's a wonderful book about the compassion of God and the wickedness of men. And it all begins with Jonah doing something really stupid, something we've probably all attempted to do at some point in our life, to run away from God. Well, the story opens, point one, with the rebellious prophet Jonah and his mission to Nineveh. Verse one, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now we know that Jonah was a real prophet, real person, because he's mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25. Uh, Jonah lived in Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, before the reign of King Jeroboam II. It was a time when Israel had turned away from God to worship idols. But when the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jonah, it was not a word for rebellious Israel. It was a word for wicked Nineveh. And God said in verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, Nineveh was the capital of the great Assyrian Empire that would eventually conquer Israel. They were an evil and wicked nation, known for their ruthlessness and brutality. And their evil comes to God's attention. I guess sometimes when we sin, we think that, that God will not notice it. God will not do anything about it. It'll be hidden from his eyes. We'll somehow get away with it. But here's a reminder. No sin escapes God's sight. God will call our sin to account in his timing. Well, we might expect that Jonah would be rather pleased to preach against his enemy, uh, Assyria. But he doesn't. Instead, he runs away. From God. Verse 3 But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, if you look at the map on the screen, you can see that Jonah runs in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. He goes down to Joppa. He goes down into the boat. Now, for the Jews, the sea was the place of chaos and death. This journey was dangerous. But Jonah would rather leave his people 
and risk his own death, then go and preach at Nineveh. But what a foolish thing he does to run from God. The God who could see Nineveh's sin could certainly see Jonah's as well. Well, in verses 4 to 16, our attention turns from Jonah to the sovereign Lord whom Jonah has just defied. And God's response is swift judgment. God sovereignly hurls a storm against Jonah's ship. Look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Now, these were experienced sailors, but even they could recognize the hand of God. And so verse 5, then the mariners were afraid. Each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Once again, we're told Jonah went down. Jonah went down to Joppa, down into the ship. Now he lays down to sleep. Closer and closer to death. Verse 6, the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. What a contrast between these Gentile sailors and the prophet Jonah. The sailors recognize that that this is of God. They fear God, they cry to God, they pray to God for mercy. But Jonah, who knows the true and living God, he doesn't fear God. He doesn't pray. He just sleeps. And and Jonah's wicked actions bring judgment not just upon him, but on the sailors and the Ninevites too, not warned of God's judgment. Now, the author wants us not just to compare Jonah and the sailors, but also Jonah's God and the sailors' God. And verse 7, they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. The sailors are not really sure their gods would do anything, but here we see that the true God is totally sovereign. In his sovereign intervention, the lot falls exactly on Jonah. He's identified as the cause of the storm. Verse 8, they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. For all their prayers, the gods of the sailors could do nothing. Their gods were just lifeless idols. But Jonah reveals he serves the true God, the creator God who made everything, who ruled everything, who controls the sea. The sovereign God. And then verse 10, the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Verse 5, the sailors were terrified of the storm. But now in verse 10, they are exceedingly terrified because of the God of heaven who sent the storm. Well, in verses 11 to 15, we see God's judgment averted through sacrifice. Verse 11, Then they said to him, 
What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. So Jonah knows that his sin deserves death. So that if the sailors throw him into the sea, he'll get what he deserves. God's wrath will be satisfied and the sailors will be spared. Of course, the sailors are reluctant. They don't want Jonah to die, even though he deserves it and he's risked their very lives. They want to save him. And so verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the, the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Again, couldn't the, contra the contrast couldn't be greater, could it? Here is Jonah, happy to see the Ninevites die. And these pagan sailors, they want wicked Jonah to live. Now, in the end, they've got no choice. Faced with the judgment of God, they can't rescue themselves. They, they, they recognize that their only hope of salvation is to pray to the God who made the sea. So this time they pray not to their own gods, but to the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 14, therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. God had hurled the storm. The sailors had hurled the cargo into the sea. Now Jonah is hurled into the sea, and as he is, immediately the raging storm is quiet. The wind and the waves are still, for the price was paid. God's wrath was satisfied. Jonah is on his way to a watery grave. Well, the story closes with the sailor's response to this amazing salvation. Look at verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the sailors fear God even more than before. For more terrifying than a God who sends a storm is a God who can stop it in its tracks. And so they now commit themselves not to serve their old gods, but to serve the Lord alone. Well, as we conclude, what do we learn about God from this passage? Well, the first thing we see is God's sovereignty. We see that God alone is the true God, the creator God, who is sovereign in every way over his creation. God in his sovereignty knew the sins of Nineveh. God in his sovereignty hurled the storm of, on Jonah. God in his sovereignty identified Jonah with the lot. God in his sovereignty calmed the storm in an instant. God alone is the true God who is alive, who is active, who judges who hears prayers and answers prayers. God is the God who deserves the worship and obedience of every person, of every nation. Now, in the New Testament, we, the sovereign God shows his power fully and perfectly in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jonah chapter 1 should remind us of another time 
that the great storm was stilled, of course, by Jesus himself. Mark chapter 4. Remember in Mark chapter 4 that the disciples were terrified, but Jesus was sleeping, just like the sailors and Jonah. In Mark chapter 4, the disciples wake Jesus in, in desperation, like the sailors wake Jonah. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus shows God's sovereign power over creation as he calms the storm, just as God calmed the storm when Jonah was thrown overboard. And in Mark chapter 4, the response of the disciples was just like the sailors here in Jonah. They became even more afraid of the one with sovereign power to calm the storm. See, Mark wants us to see Jesus is the sovereign Lord who rules over land and sea. He is the sovereign king. Even when wicked humanity finally rejects God's rejects Christ's rule, crucifying him to a cross, even then his purposes could not be stopped. Jesus was raised on again on the third day. He was exalted as Lord. He ascended and sat on the throne of heaven in, in sovereign power, ruling over this creation, gathering now a people for himself from every tribe, nation, and language. In Jonah, we see the sailors coming to trust the Lord. And now King Jesus is gathering a people for himself from all nations. The God of Jonah, the sovereign Lord, shows his sovereignty perfectly in the rule of his son, Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing we learn, the sovereignty of God. Have you recognized Christ as the sovereign ruler of your life? Do you know that everything, every blessing, every struggle, every situation, no matter how chaotic or wicked or out of control, is totally in Jesus' hands? Well, the second thing we learn in Jonah chapter 1 is God's punishment. And God was about to punish Nineveh because of her evil. And God punished Jonah for his rebellion and disobedience. And of course, the Bible tells us it wasn't just Nineveh, it wasn't just Jonah that had a sin problem. It wasn't just Jonah that ran away from God. All of us are part of a sinful humanity, a world that is in disobedience against God. All of us, in our own ways, run away from God and his sovereign will for our lives. And Jonah 1 teaches us that sin is a serious matter. Because God, the sovereign creator of heaven and earth, he sees our sin and he will not ignore it. He will come in judgment. God's sovereignty, God's judgment. Finally, we see the need to turn to God for salvation. For Jonah 1 teaches us that when God's judgment comes, we can't save ourselves. Jonah 1 teaches us that we need God's mercy. We need God's salvation. We need to cry out to him because we need a sacrifice. Someone who will give their life for ours. And so in Jonah 1, we see a shadow of the one who would be greater than Jonah. Jesus Christ. Jesus who would sacrifice himself on the cross to save us from sin. Matthew 12 and verse 40, Jesus speaks of the sign of Jonah. He says, Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days 
and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is saying that Jonah was a type of Christ. He was a, a picture of Jesus. And like Jonah, Jesus was sent to a people whose sin had come up before him. Like Jonah, Jesus experienced the punishment of God. Like Jonah, Jesus gave his life so that others might be saved. He spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Of course, there was one big difference between Jonah and Jesus. Jonah was being punished for his own sin. Jesus was being punished for ours. And like it was for the sailors, Jesus' sacrifice is our only hope of salvation from God's judgment. So God's sovereignty, God's judgment, God's salvation. How should we respond this morning? Well, of course, the right response is to turn to Christ like the sailors do. Having witnessed God's power to save, they throw off their false gods and instead they turn to serve the living and true God who had saved them. We need to do the same, leaving our old gods to love and serve Jesus Christ alone. Let me say, if you've never done that, if you've never cried out to Jesus for mercy, asked him to save you and then given your life in his service, if you're still running from Christ, can I urge you today, turn to him. Now, know for certain that if you don't, God's judgment will catch up with you eventually. He sees everything. He will call it to account. And apart from Christ's sacrifice on the cross, there's no hope of saving ourselves. Turn to him. Now, turning to Christ means that we must turn away from sin to serve God's purposes. We must not be like Jonah in this passage. Jonah refused to preach to the Ninevites because he didn't care about their salvation. Now, it's very easy for us to be the same, isn't it? Even though Jesus has told us, go and make disciples of all nations, so often we actually refuse to do what he says. We refuse to tell our family, our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours the good news of Jesus. Because we're too afraid, because we're, it's too inconvenient. We're quiet. But let's not be like Jonah. No matter how daunting it seems, no matter how reluctant we feel, let us not run from God for our own comfort, but give our lives to serving God's purposes so that we speak to people about their sin and the salvation that Jesus brings. So turn away from sin. Turn to Jesus. Well, we've all done stupid things in life. The most foolish thing of all, though, is to reject the sovereign Lord who sees our sin. Let's stop running from God and serve the Lord with all our heart. For he is not only sovereign to judge, but merciful to save. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are the sovereign creator 
and ruler of this world, who holds all things in your hands. We thank you that you've shown your power and sovereignty through your Son, Jesus Christ. We're sorry for the times that in our sin we have sought to run from you, disobey your word, to deny Christ's rightful place as our King. Thank you so much that you sent him to be a sacrifice, to die in our place. We thank you that he took our place on the cross, that we might live. As those who've been rescued by him, we pray that you'd help us to respond rightly, no longer running from you, but giving ourselves fully to your purposes and speaking to others of their sin and the salvation Christ brings. Give us boldness to do that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.